We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a bonus Perpetual Chess covering the ongoing and riveting 2023 FIDE World Cup. I've got a two-part episode coming your way. I am joined by a co-host who I will introduce momentarily, and then we'll be followed up by an interview with uh, International Master Michael Rahal, who is at the Playing Hall. He's been doing a great job conducting the interviews. Um, But before we introduce our co-host and before we get deeper into the match. I did just want to review what's happened for anyone who has not had a chance to follow as we record this on the 17th of August, uh, approaching the final rest day. Uh, obviously, a lot has transpired. The final four has been determined in the open section. The final two has been determined in the women's section. So in the open, we've got Magnus Carlson, Fabiano Caruana, um, Mija Abbasov, very surprising result, uh, representing uh, Azerbaijan as a 28-year-old, just putting on an incredible display, uh, shocking result. And uh, Pragananda, who won in dramatic fashion against his friend, Grandmaster Irigasi today. So Carlson has already said that he's extremely unlikely to take a candidate spot. He said, I quote, under the current format, there's absolutely no chance I'll play in the candidates. I think everyone should operate under the assumption that I won't play and that everybody else who's in the semifinals is qualified for the candidates. So obviously that's massive news, career defining or altering potentially for Pragananda and Abbasov, less so for Caruana, who had many ways in. But nonetheless, he's uh, played great chess, and I'm sure it is a relief. And of course, Carlson probably will not play. So where that leaves us in terms of um, the rest of the candidate cycle is uh, Geary is now probably the favorite for the Grand Prix uh, spot. Gukash is still in the running, and there's still others who could catch him. Um, but Geary is the most likely. And then for the rating spot, of course, Caruana, who would be right there in the mix now is no longer uh, in the rating spot or the Grand Prix spot since he's already got the World Cup spot. So Nakamura and Faruja, um are potentially duking it out for a candidate's rating spot. But of course, there's still a lot to be determined in the calendar year. Um, so again, in the women's section, we also now know several candidate qualifiers. Um, 
Anna Muzicuk, who was defeated today by a young upstart Nergil Salamova, who is a Turkish Bulgarian 20 year old IM who's just been putting on playing amazing chess. Another Cinderella story. So she gets a candidate spot. Grandmaster Tan Zhang Yi gets a candidate spot along with Anna Muzicuk and Goryachkina, who is now in the final against Salamova. Uh, already had a candidate spot. So that's the lay of the land in the women's section. But it's been a fascinating tournament. Um, there have been surprises aplenty. Of course, one of the storylines being the rise of the continued rise of many top Indian players. They had four representatives in the final eight in the open section. So lots of um, fascinating storylines to discuss with our guest co-host before we get to the interview. And I did just want to give a quick shout out to our presenting chess education sponsors, chessable.com. Um, of course, they've got so many courses that whatever your opening is, whatever your interest of the game is, you can find something. Some of their new ones include a lifetime repertoire, Queen's Gambit Decline from the always entertaining Pepe Cuenca. And of course, uh, FM Nate Solon, who was recently on the pod as a one night F3 course that you should get to support his excellent writing, and it's also a great course. I've already had a look at it. So joining me to discuss uh, what has transpired is longtime friend of the pod. He helped me out re recapping The World Champions I Knew by Jenna Sosanko some years ago, um, classic chess book. He's also a chess writer and a chessable author and a candidate master, and I'm pleased to welcome back to the podcast, Vyekoslav Nemec. Welcome, Vyeko. Hi, Ben, and thanks for inviting me again. Nice to be here and, and uh, forcing my way through with my Twitter activity. <laughs> yes, he, well, so uh, as as you all know, I'm fairly active on Chess Twitter, as is Vyacheslav tweeting under Chess Centrals. And I know, I know that he's been following very closely because he's been sharing some instructive positions and giving hot takes about the tournament format um, and discussing various games. So in looking for someone to do a quick recap of what's happened so far, uh, Vyacheslav was top of mind. So Vyacheslav, you and I were discussing before we started recording, we both were traveling um, on vacation, in fact, for some of the match, which for me, uh, being on vacation actually means it's Sometimes it means I can watch less chess than I would be able to if I were, um, air quotes, working at home. Because when I'm at home, I make my own hours um, and my kids are at school or at camp. Whereas when I'm on vacation, they need entertainment. So that's a long way of saying I've been very dialed in this week. But last week I was watching here and there and reading recaps. Um, but before we got to what has been, as, as we said, should be a fascinating Final Four in the open section. What were your impressions of the rounds leading up to that? Yeah, I actually, I found myself always almost interested in 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 the first few rounds, of course, uh, because there are the pool is much uh, broader, and there are always some potential storylines, upsets, uh, interesting matchups. While uh, and also much more games to follow, and and there is always some big drama involved. So. Uh, yeah, I was actually, I don't know, there are, there are quite a few interesting storylines and results that are maybe not so visible here. But one example that comes to mind is a Turkish Grandmaster Sanal Vahab first struggling, a kind of struggling in the first match against my countryman's Denko Kojo, and then eliminating Abdul Satorov. So stuff like that was, yeah, I was closely following and it's always fascinating to to see those kinds of things happen on, on in the World Cup. So... Yeah, it, it, the nature of the tournament is such that they're guaranteed to be surprises. You just don't know which ones they'll be. And then whichever ones they are, they still feel like a shock, even though you knew there would be a shock going in. And as you say, Abdus Sadov, who Mr. Dodgy and I both touted, uh, as did many other pundits or whatever you want to call us, uh, us who wish we were there playing, um, you know, obviously young upstart, uh, heart of a champion. But yeah, he was out early. Nakamura not out super early, but obviously the fact he's not in the final four, you could consider a minor surprise. Um, and but it's been very entertaining along the way. And of course, uh, the incredible performance by so many Indian players, um, bit of bad luck that Gukesh had to play Carlson uh, in the um, in the final eight, because he who knows how many candidate spots they could have gotten if the pairings had been a little bit different. Yeah, I don't know if you are baiting me into expressing my some some of my hot takes there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that sentence kind of reveals one of the things that I was I, I'm not even uh, complaining, but more like, you know, wondering about because basically the, you know, quote unquote, draw of the, uh, of the draw, lack of the draw basically kind of 
it messed up with Guke's chances because I, I, arguably it's much harder to go through Magnus than anybody else in the tournament. So yeah, it was a little bit of a pity, although given his uh, his recent tries, I mean, I don't know. I, I have a feeling he might still get it in the feeder Grand Swiss and such. But uh, yeah, it's I, I joked on Twitter that this should have been renamed to All Indian Open Championship and mm-hmm. uh, it seems to that the, the, the boom is continuing and, and yeah, who knows how much of them will, will be in the next candidates. So yeah. Yeah, no, and you do raise a valid point. And in addition to the dialogue on Twitter, you know, I'm in the the World Championship uh, Chess Facebook group and not necessarily engaging in the dialogue myself, but I certainly do see a decent number of complaints that they say, wait a minute. So the, you know, the world, someone who's not going to play in the candidates determines who gets to get in. Um, it, it just doesn't seem right. And, you know, Dodgy and I did talk about this. And as I mentioned, I actually have extremely mixed feelings about it just because I do feel like the candidate slots make it extremely compelling, much more so than just like a $60,000 prize. Um, but on the other hand, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to have a rule where if you qualify, you have to play. Um, and and if you already have a spot, you can't play or something like that. If they're going to have three spots or someone uh, on, I think it was in a Facebook group suggested and Dodgy also had suggested they could they could reward fewer spots based on the World Cup. Like if you only do it for the winner, then at least um there's fewer conflicts along the way. Although, of course, if Magnus plays and wins, as seems entirely possible, um, then it could still create an issue. So, yeah, there's always going to be hot takes, but the bottom line is the stakes are high. And if you just sit and watch, you're likely to enjoy the chess. I know that, um, is it fair to say that you've enjoyed the chess, Vecco? Yeah, 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 for sure. And and uh, actually, you raise a good point about making high stakes because, you know, for a long, long time, we have been uh, listening to this whole Czech classical chess is boring death narrative. And OK, this is not only a classical tournament, but we see that the games become very interesting and uh, there are many decisive results and there are many mistakes when and purely that happened almost purely because of the nerves like we can see how the stakes and how the the awareness that a single mistake can mean elimination um yeah makes people falter but yeah the chess has been fantastic there have been so many great games uh, both in the uh, open and the women's section and it is yeah pure yeah holiday for any chess fan even if they are not on holiday so yeah and for those of you listening who saw the playoff today between Irigasi and Pragananda obviously these are phenomenal young players you know with huge futures ahead of them but but yeah as they got to the faster time controls of course um Irigasi ended up losing to Prague in a three minute after so as we discussed uh, laying out the format um before the tournament it goes two classical games, then two game 30 games, then two game 10 games, then two game five games, then three minute um, where it's no longer a two game match. It's if someone wins. But anyway, in the in the 10 game match in particular, the first game of that two game set, Irigasi just had Prague basically dead to rights. I mean, he was uh, up a clear pawn and putting pressure on top of that. And Prague, uh, you know, found a way to threaten some checks and under the pressure, um, Irigasi went to a traded Queens and went to an end game that should have been equal, but suddenly Prague was the one who was able to create chances. And Vieco, as you know, as a non-professional, seeing the sort of uh eval graph as it would be change in real time from like winning to suddenly you you lose the thread, but you should be drawing to suddenly you're losing, and then you sit back and you're like, How did that happen? Um, I found it so relatable, and you don't see it from super GMs when extreme nerves or faster time controls are not in involved yeah that's true yeah i want especially like in those end games like i think that many many miraculous things and mistakes have happened in end games in particular so like some somebody said i think on twitter that that if any anything world cup taught him that the 10 games are super difficult in chess so yeah, so yeah it's, it's kind of curious to see some of their games reminiscent of of my own games or our own games and when you mentioned this like uh, it was also interesting to me because that whole Ergaisi Prague match was fan- fantastic from all sorts. But I think the second co- game or the second classical game of the match was also pretty noteworthy from the psychology viewpoint because, okay, Arjun wins a fantastic game one with black pieces with this knight g3 sacrifice. Well, we're checking out. It's it's not wasn't supposed to be enough for a win, but it's like pure practical pressure. It, it turned out to be. Uh, 
Prague couldn't navigate he, himself out of it, especially in time trouble. And then in the second game, Arjun only needs a draw. And then he plays the Alapin, which and clearly tries to kind of almost force a draw. And then he ends up in some slightly worse position. And then somehow in the end game, which is still kind of holdable, just Prague outplays him with an amazing style, like almost playing like a king end game, going with his king to the king's head, collecting all the pawns while both the rooks and the bishop are on the board. It was an amazing position. And I think that game demonstrates the most how nerves and how like, you know, willingness to, to force a draw affects them. Because if they play in some round robin, nine out of 10 times, it will be like a draw if white needs a draw. But this was a particular case. And, and, and this makes the format very entertaining. Yeah, I I do love the format. And of course, you have so many near misses as well. Like Magnus just barely survived against Vincent Keimer. And obviously, if Keimer is able to finish off that match, then we're talking about like entirely different things right now. And obviously, Keimer, another player uh, with uh, an immensely uh, bright future in front of him, but ran into Magnus early. Uh, didn't quite convert his chance, and now uh, he goes to the back of the line <laughs> like everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very close. Like knight, knight xc4 in that game, and uh, and it's almost like no way he 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 not doesn't even win. So well, let alone gets eliminated. So yeah, man, but the main, I mean, there are many many situations both in rapid and also in classical where you know people say oh there's no way it's bouncing back with black in the second game is so difficult or bouncing back in the second game and yet people do it over and over and i think that this uh yeah awareness that you only need a draw you know messes up with with people's psychology i simply i i think i mean i'm not an expert but uh, it, it feels like that 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 this these second games are always always super interesting and entertaining yeah yeah and like today in prague irrigacy like uh black won six games in a row literally like six games you know so yeah there's there's so many interesting psychological dynamics at work and uh the uh, you know mike michael rahal who you guys will be hearing on this podcast shortly did ask prague about like whether he had any any theories about that and he just said it's tough to get anything with white these days but maybe there's still some sort of psychological desire to press when you're white um so yeah it, it's fascinating and again like you, you're black has done well even in classical in this tournament but especially when the clock speeds up that seems to be the case and um one other interesting storyline from the people who've emerged uh is of course um abasav i mean what a story you know, number 97 coming into this match um, in the world, and he's up obviously heaps of ELO points, but, um, you know, he's not like some young phenom, you know, I mean, obviously 28 is uh, pretty young in the grand scheme of things, but in chess, it basically means you're uh, geriatric these days. And <laughs> nonetheless, um, he's he's just put on an incredible display and like w what a gauntlet of players he's run through um, to to get there. And funny enough, did you hear of Yeko that he's working uh, with Salomov? Like that it's like teacher and student and both of them have had career altering performances in, in the World Cup. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I was just about to say that it's that's probably, I think, one of the best runs in the World Cup ever since those early FIDE World Championship tournaments, I would say. Well, maybe even more surprising, I think. And and uh, and yeah, I, I was also about to say almost as good as, as uh, the run of Salimova uh, in the in the in the women's section yeah but yes i didn't know that they were working together uh, and to be i just wanted to say one thing because i, I read some people on twitter <laughs> hurt saying that oh this is great because uh, you know because this disrupts the old generation of players who usually play only around robins but uh, my uh, my what i from what i've seen in the previous world cups is that in the final stages despite almost all the upsets along the way usually it's you know established 27 plus players who, who survive you usually or at least in as far as i recall in the last 10 years i may be maybe wrong but that's the impression i have and i think abasov is like the lowest rated player to reach far uh, the final four which is yeah, just amazing and yeah, we'll see whether he will be up to asking the candidates because I was listening to Chicken Chess podcast actually today and they did say that in the classical portion he did, I think, one versus one against everybody except from for Vidit. But uh, yeah, definitely, I mean, it's it's super compelling and it will be super interesting to follow the candidates as well with somebody like that in, in the field. 
Yeah. And I know that some people I've seen some people online saying like he's, you know, he'll he doesn't now he doesn't belong in the candidates. I saw this on Reddit somewhere um, and like he's going to get trounced. But, you know, I'm more optimistic than that. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to win. You know, he's not likely to win. But, uh, I, you know, this, as I've said before, this alters the trajectory of his career. It possibly gives him the opportunity to build a team to devote more time. Maybe he'd even get some uh, government support from his native uh, Azerbaijan. So uh, to me, it's fun. And, you know, even though I say going in, like, you know, anything can happen, as you allude to, anything can happen, but anything usually doesn't happen. So it is fun to see uh, a true upset. You know, someone like Salamov, even though she wasn't, she in particular, I can't say she was on my radar going into this, but a 20-year-old, you know, um, fast rising, like it's not as shocking to me. Um, but there was another sort of funny storyline that two years ago during COVID, she uh, did, she was like a student in Anna Muzichuk's workshop. You know, she was mm -hmm. doing like some workshops for, for, you know, rising young players. And because she was 18 and Anna's a, you know, world-class player, she, she gives a workshop and now she's beating her, beating the person who taught her two years later. It's amazing uh, how quickly things can change. Um, so as we look ahead to the finals, Vieco, um, any any hot takes? Michael and I did. Uh, we batted it around and eventually made some some uh, tepid predictions. But uh, what do you think we'll see in both the open and the women's section of the final four and the final two? Yeah, well, considering that I had Vesvisol winning uh, the <laughs> tournament in Mr. Doji's prediction and that I had Abdusatorov beating Magnus somewhere along the way, I'm not sure how serious my prediction should have been taken. It's good that I didn't go to official bookie. <laughs> but okay, I mean, uh, in, in the open section, I mean, uh, betting on anybody against, uh, except for Magnus would be a little bit, you know, uh, crazy. And and also, I think uh, in the other matchup, uh, the... Caruana. I mean, obviously, anything can happen. And, and I think it's actually not a coincidence that Prague is doing well here, especially since, okay, he's obviously a strong player, but since this format does involve Rapid, and from what I've gathered, he has been very well regarded for his rapid results like we have seen in the champions chess tour how he already beat magnus and got some news in the india so it's not surprising that he also beat uh, nakamura in rapid right so so if it gets to rapid then i think he, he it's almost 50 50 uh, with all due respect to fabi's uh, rapid skills which i'm not underestimating like many others but i think anything then magnus fabiano final would be a bit of surprise but uh but we'll see yeah, that's the same thing I said. So I, I won't repeat myself too much. But yeah, I mean, and, and it does just feel like um, there's got to be a huge weight lifted off of Prague's shoulders after that epic match. And um, for him to earn a spot in the candidates when he didn't necessarily have another surefire way in by any means, as opposed to Fabiano, who um, and all, you know, he's happy to get the candidate spot, but here to win it. Um, and of course, as you say, has an edge in classical and can bring his legendary opening prep to bear. Um, he has, at, he, at, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, he has been playing amazingly, like, well in this entire tournament. Like, and also, I just remember we should, people should definitely check his game against Dominguez, the first one where he escaped. That was sensational. Like, yeah, and, and that, that position. Yeah, and that also underscores how, like, you know, again, as they say in sports, like anyone who's here has caught a break along the way, and uh, and um, certainly that's the case with Fabiano. It didn't, it did not look good in that game against Dominguez. Just as with Carlson, it did not look good uh, against Keimer. Um, but Vieco, uh, you know, sorry, people... we didn't women's section, women's section. We didn't, let's not oh, yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, forget uh... the prediction. I mean, it's not, I yeah, just wanted to mention that we don't uh, only focus on the open section. Yeah. So, thank but, you. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, okay. There obviously Goryachkina is the big she's favorite. She's so strong. Yeah. She's so cool. And she's been playing super well. I think the, well, the game against Tan Zhong Yi, I think, with black pieces. I, 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 once again, I urge people to to study that one. Like it was super amazing how she played her in 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 a technical style. So yeah, but you never know. Like Salimova played very well, and and you know, she she, she will probably play freely and and optimistically. So anything can happen. But yeah, tough to bet against Goryachkina, but, but yeah, I mean, amazing performance by Salomova, and I'm excited to see her in the candidates, even if she is unable to um to knock off uh one of the greats. 
Um, but Vieco, this has been a lot of fun. Um, anything to say before we say our goodbyes and uh, get back to looking forward to Saturday as the uh, as the classical section of the final four in the open and the final two in the women's resumes? No, nothing in particular. Like, yeah, uh, make sure to check the games and not just the results. And and yeah, uh, show respect to all the players. So, <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Too, bad, too, too bad that we didn't get Giri Fresinet. That, that's the only downside <laughs> of this yeah, World shout, Cup. That's, shout out to the chicken. The new Abbasov, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been fun. Okay, well, listeners, stay tuned for a fun interview with I Am Michael Rahal about what it's like to be in Baku and interview all these legends as well as a little more. Uh, big picture talk as well and Vieco thanks as always for popping on yeah thanks for inviting me Ben uh, it's an honor hello it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are here, fresh from an epic tiebreak match. We are joined by a return guest who is an international master. He is in Baku working as the press officer for FIDE. When he's not in Baku, he is a Barcelona-based chess trainer, commentator, author, journalist, translator. He wears many hats, but we are pleased to welcome. I'm sure he's had a long day, so we appreciate international master Michael Rahal joining us. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for the return visit. A pleasure from my side. Yes, yes, it's been too long. And wow, what a match. I mean, we have to start with this unbelievable Pragananda Irigasi match, which just concluded, we're recording about 15 minutes after uh, Pragananda finally won in the three minute tiebreak. So it's not even two game matches anymore. They go to a three minute game and Pragananda finally won. Um, what was it like? Obviously, you're a journalist there, but what's it like sitting there just watching the match in person, Michael? Very, very exciting. So I have to say that when there's 25-minute uh, games, I'm normally in the press center following the games with the other colleagues. But when it gets down to 10-10, I'm just sitting down there and, and enjoying as, as any as any fan would, would be. Now there's less spectators, most of the team around the game. And when it got down to 3-2, I mean, the last ma- the last game was, was unbelievable. It was so exciting. But of course, we have to be professional and you know keep the silence, make sure we don't get too excited. We can't check the game with any computer or anything, because, I mean, we're in the playing hall. So we're just, you know, trying to see what's happening, keeping silence, and and it's very exciting, very exciting. I can, I can assure you, the, these, these uh, playouts, when it goes down to three minutes, they, it used to be Armageddon, uh, but now they change the rules, and when they get down to uh, the, the last, after six games of tie breaks, when they get down to three minutes, it's a 3-2 game, three minutes with two seconds increment, and basically they just play, until someone wins, but always with three three minutes, two seconds. So no more Armageddons. Yeah, just in- incredibly entertaining. Obviously, huge stakes with candidate spots on the line. So when you, you're watching the game, Michael, is there a demonstration board? Or are you just kind of trying to see the chess set without leaning? No, 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 no. There, there's uh, I mean, a digital the stage, display. There's a yeah. stage. I don't I try not to go onto the stage because, I mean, there's uh, the, the the cameras the the arbiters are doing their job as well obviously recording the moves but on the t- on the two sides of the stage there's a huge there are two huge uh, displays 
and we could just follow the games uh, from a distance. So yeah, the spectators are also watching the games from a distance. But of course, there's no evaluation bar on the on the games. It's just you know pure chessboard with with the pieces moving. Okay. Yeah, and obviously, I feel like. You just interviewed uh, Pragananda, as you alluded yep. to, 10 minutes ago. It's not even up on YouTube yet, but will be yep. shortly. So what was his reaction to what had to be the biggest win of his career so far? So no, normally, it's funny because normally when they, the, the process is as follows. When they finish their games, um, there is a fair play check. So the, the winners of the game or the winners of the match, in this case, when it's a tie break, have to join the fair play officer. And go to a special room where they're where they're checked. I mean, it's just a uh, a formal procedure, but it has to be done. And then they uh, allow me to interview the player in our special interview area where all the interviews have been done uh, up to now. But today, um, and the reason why we do that is that I can't interview someone on the stage when there are other games going on in the hall. I mean, it just wouldn't it's not on. You can't do that, no. But today, as it's the last game. I asked special permission to the arbiter and the fair play officer to interview Prague before they took him to fair play. And of course, as long as I don't touch him, uh, there's no human contact. Well, well, it's okay. I mean, right. it's just a, a formal procedure. So actually, I went onto the stage as soon as he finished and uh, Erigaisi graciously left. And I, I was with uh, Pragnananda. His mother was very nearby as well waiting so yeah he was super excited he actually said i need to take a bit of a breath yeah because there's huge stakes i mean it's a huge pay jump that's number one now he plays caruana for a spot in the final against magnus carlson that's number two and also i mean he's just won uh, a spot in the in the two t- 2024 candidates in toronto so i mean it's huge it's for, for a player such as him it's huge and also uh, one of the indian colleagues here he he told me that he thought that if it went down to blitz, Erigaisi had an edge, huh. and uh, and actually, if you followed the the match, you you'll notice that Prague went ahead two times, and Erigaisi came back. So so it seemed that Erigaisi was getting the momentum to, towards the end, and so that last game was was unbelievable, really amazing. He was very happy, very very happy. Yeah, for sure. And I get what you're saying about the blitz. I was. Uh... David Howell and Grandmaster Peter Lacoe did an amazing job on the chess.com broadcast. And David said that he'd played Ergasi in a blitz match in a tournament. And it was one of the only times in his career that he felt completely outclassed. And uh, obviously with Grandmaster Howell, we're talking about someone who's done training matches with Kasparov. So um, that is a uh, high praise indeed. And yeah, they both just showed, I mean, obviously nerves came into play, but they yeah. both just showed yeah. tremendous resilience. But I mean, the, the final game, Prague played, Brilliantly, the, the 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 game just before that one, I actually thought Prague was going to win, and he ended up losing. I mean, both of them played really well. Uh, Eddie Icy uh, showcased his resilience as a defensive player. They're very, they're, both of them are very, very good, and actually, they're very good friends as well. Right? Yeah. You know, they 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 train together. They go for for walks together. They go for jobs together. I mean, I mean, they're 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 friends. I've reached. I've. I, Talk to both of them and ask them. I mean, how 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 are they able to be such good friends and do everything together here in Baku? And then they have to face each other on the board. They can't talk about theory. I mean, it's a very special situation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. Irene, international master Irene Sukander has been sharing on social media. She keeps running into them, walking together, yeah. which is just crazy to see. And what's for for both of them was the highest stakes match of their career. But Michael, we've only got you for a limited amount of time. And despite the sort of we're both trying to process this amazing match that just concluded, I'd also like to zoom out and talk about the experience you've had overall, because I've been watching, of course, everyone should be subscribed to FIDE's YouTube channel where they're posting your interviews shortly after they occur. And obviously you've gotten, you know, when we spoke in our first interview in 2017, you were talking about how when you covered the Olympiad in 2004, you got a chance to interview Kramnik. And Mm -hmm. that was quite an honor. But this is just like one legend after another in like these intense moments. So what has the experience been like for you overall, Michael? Very nervous. Um, I'm generally nervous, but you get used to it. Um, I just have to try and remember to be professional, to to be clear, to try and speak well, to ask interesting questions. Sometimes it's better, sometimes sometimes it's not so good, and uh, and just try and avoid being starstruck when I talk to the the top the top players. But I've got used to talking to them over the years as well. So 
I, I wouldn't say I'm a friend of any of them, but but as a colleague, a professional colleague, I think they also respect me, which is good and it makes my my life easier. By the way, I said before that uh, he qualified for the for the candidates. He actually, I mean, he hasn't theor he theoretically has won a spot, but only if Magnus declines. Of course, Magnus yesterday uh, said that um, everyone had to operate under under the assumption that uh, that um, that he would be declining. But but of course, and, and, and until it's hundred percent official, uh, Prague, we can't really say that he already has won the spot for the candidates. He could still end, end up fourth, and as there's three 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 places, theoretically, if Magnus accepts, um, Prague will be out, or, or or the fourth player would be out. But uh, the, Magnus did say yesterday that um, everyone should operate under the assumption that he won't be playing the the candidates tournament. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, you, you can't know for sure, but uh, he was pretty clear in that statement. He was pretty clear so. in the chess.com interview, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so like we were saying, I mean, you've interviewed Magnus himself uh, at this tournament, uh, Ivan Chooks, Fiddler. I mean, basically everyone, because anyone who went far in the tournament, it seems that you're primarily yeah. interviewing people who won their matches is that, or won their games. Is that correct? Um from third round onwards, basically, I'm interviewing the players who won their games or their matches. Whereas in the first and the second round, I was focusing more on getting more uh, a flavor of the international element of the tournament. So I was interviewing players from different continents, different countries that didn't necessarily ha have won their match, but they would like to talk about their experience coming from far away to play in the in the World Cup. I always leave the good players for the later stages when there's less players and they'll still be there. Of course, that does mean that sometimes you don't get a chance to interview one of the better players who was eliminated in the second round. For example, I would have liked to talk to Grischuk, but he was eliminated in the second round by a, a young Iran player. Um, but yeah, most of the the good players have at some point or other come to the interview area. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, and of course, as a chess podcaster who's interested in sort of the behind the scenes uh uh, fee flavor of the tournament. I, I'm glad that you you do try to catch the people for whom it's a, a once in a lifetime experience. Exactly. Uh, to to even be there now. Out of all these interviews, I mean, you're catching people at such a sort of uh, intense moment, especially as the tournament goes on. Um, are there any any of the did any of the interviews uh, stand out to you in particular? Okay, so of course, when you talk to Magnus, if he says something interesting. That always uh, blows up. The f I think it was the second interview with Magnus. He just started talking about uh, chess being stressful, boring. And I was just listening to him. I didn't expect this. And he just carried on carrying on. So I, I decided not to interrupt, just let him keep talking. And I think that he really wanted to talk. It was uh, the sensation I had was that he just he just really wanted to, 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 to get everything off his chest. Now he's talking about how stressful it was to play, how even boring it could be to play classical chess, whereas he prefers uh, Blitz and Rapid. So for sure that day, the, the interview was very interesting. And, uh, and another special moment for me was interviewing uh, Alexandra Garyachkina, the top um, Russian player who plays under the FIDE flag, as you know. So Garyachkina is, um, is a player who doesn't normally show her emotions. She's normally very stoic. She she doesn't smile. She's um she's well known for giving very few interviews and and also very short interviews. So I had to think up of a way to get her to smile, to get her to be comfortable in the interview. So I decided to open the interview in Russian. I learned huh. some Russian words and started talking to her in Russian, which obviously surprised her, and 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 eventually got her to smile and even to laugh. So <laughs> so I think the. The my my, I think that one of the, the nicest things I've been able to get here is for Goriachina to to smile and show her her nice side. I mean, because she she is a very nice person. But during interviews, she's always like you can just see her face. And I mean, she no nonsense. Don't don't want to show her emotions. No, so you get to learn small special ways to try and get the other person to open up. No, which is what I try to do. That's interesting. And have you been studying Russian like for years or did you just try to pick it up well, on the fly? Or? Two, two years ago, I did the World Cup. I was the press officer in Sochi in, in, in Russia. And so there I got to meet a lot of uh, Russian people, obviously. And I started to pick up some words, not many. And I 
was writing them down. And I'm lucky that my cameraman, Sergei, he's Russian. So when I need to learn some special word, if I don't understand something that they're saying, I just ask him. And so I go, I go, it goes through him first. Just a few words. I think um, for, for Alexandra, I said the Privyet, which means sort of hello, as you know, because I think you speak Yeah, I did Russian study Russian, so I know some. And I said Kakdela, yeah. um, which means how are you? And, you know, two or three things. And it just caught it by surprise. And when the translator translated already, she started smiling. So that was that was sort of like to break the ice. It went well. That's that's good. Yeah. And in a good sense, time, it's like times. the worse your Russian is, the more charming it's going to be, you know, because she's going to be like, look yeah. at the cute foreigner trying to speak, <laughs> trying to speak my language. And obviously, as when you visit a country, uh, it's appreciated. Well, Michael, com- you mentioned um, having been in Sochi in addition to to this World Cup. How do you compare the two in terms of uh, I mean, players talk about conditions, but just like the venues and the the town slash cities, et cetera. Well, here we're in Baku, which is the, the main city of Azerbaijan, whereas in Sochi, we were actually um, in a mountain resort where the Olympiads were held, the 2014 Olympiads. So it is slightly different. But uh, both of the venues were, are spectacular. I mean, um, Azerbaijan, more, more specifically, has a huge history of, uh, of, of important chess events. They did the Olympiad in 2015, and the World Cup in 16, or the other way around, I can't remember, but one after the other. This was w- actually where we um, where we, we lodged in the Marriott Hotel, was one of the hotels they used for the Olympiad and the World Cup. So they're very experienced at organizing very good tournaments. And uh, this hotel is very good, very good. The food is good. The hotel is excellent. The playing hall is very big. Of course, now there's only, I think, four or there's... Um, Four plus four plus. There's eight players left, which is four boards. So so it's very small the 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 actual playing area, but the room the room where the um, where it's been held from the beginning, hosted nearly 250 players the first days. So what what we've done is gradually close the room, using flags, using um, sponsor banners to make it sort of a a more closed area, and now spectators can come in, sit down. So they organize these things very, very well. And Baku is, is wonderful. I mean, I've never been to this area of the world and um, the people are really nice. The city is wonder, it's amazing. I mean, I come from Barcelona, which is an also a, a, an amazing city. But when you get here and you see how clean it is, how people enjoy their time, it's very hot. It's one of the problems. It's very hot in August. But apart from that, it's amazing. So I, I'm enjoying it a lot. Okay. And you mentioned the hotel food, and I know we're going to say goodbye for you to go eat in a minute uh, with some of uh, your colleagues. Um, what's the food been like generally both at the hotel and to the extent you've been able to sort of explore the town? Okay. So the food here is is very good in the hotel. Um, of course, it depends a bit on the day. It's, it's sort of a, a buffet where you can choose whatever you want to eat. The thing with buffets is at the end, it becomes a bit boring because you're right. always, the, the food is different. But of course, it's still the same buffet. So every three or four days, my colleagues, the main arbiter, Laurent Freud, some of the other arbiters, some of the organizing team, we just go for dinner and we choose one of the restaurants in in, in Baku. And tonight we were between a Georgian and an Indian restaurant. We were trying to decide which one to go to. And I think uh, in honor of Pragnananda, we'll, we'll be going to the Indian restaurant. Okay, so, yeah. Both, so, and both. that's good because you get a chance to go out and also in Baku, as it's so hot during the day, the evening is very pleasant. The temperature cools down. You can go for a dinner, maybe some drinks. We we'll just go for a walk on the boulevard, which is about five kilometers long. Here, there's the famous flame towers. There are three huge towers that uh, flame up, and they have different colors. It's very nice. It's actually very nice, Baku. I'm enjoying it a lot. Wow. Yeah, so- sounds uh, very pleasant. And obviously, for the players, the few players remaining in the tournament tomorrow, the last rest day today or so, by the time people hear this, yes. um, will be stressful. Do you actually get the day off or do you still have some stuff to do? Um, like, I know no. you, there were some interviews on rest, or I guess it's been... Anyway, I'll let you answer. <laughs> no, the, 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 the free day, there's two free days during the during the tournament. And uh, most of the most of the people who are working here, the organizers, arbiters, myself, other colleagues, we actually do have a have a free day. Okay, 
Occasionally, you might have to do some specific uh, task, but it's always minor tasks. Uh, it's a free day for the players, but we also need a free day. We've been here for the last month and we've been working every day. So you really need at least one day every now and then to you know, sort of disconnect and go to the beach or just um, go for a walk. Some of the some of the team get on a car and go one hour to these uh, volcanoes, to the oh, mud nice. volcanoes, or that's not for everyone. So you just decide what's going to be your free day. And uh, yeah, at least we don't work. And players can get more than one free day, depending if they play the tie breaks or they don't play the tie breaks. For example, today, Abasov, uh, Carlson, um, and Caruana, they didn't tie break today. So they have actually had two free days. But I can tell you, they're not moving away from the hotel. They're in the hotel. They're here. They're preparing. You can see them at breakfast. You can see them at dinner. You might see them go for a walk. Of course, they need to disconnect. But there, there's a lot. Of, there's a huge. There's a lot of it in stake. For Caruana, it's a chance to get to the candidates. Abasov, the same thing. Prague, obviously, the same thing. Carlson probably he's not thinking of that when he's playing, but he's never won the World Cup. And two years ago, he lost against um, against Duda in semifinals. So this is one of the things he really wants to do for his career. So they're taking it very seriously, and the same in the in the in the women's cup, which now has a finalist. It's Gariachina will play against Salimova, who defeated uh, Muzichuk today. Also, a, a, quite a surprise, actually. Yeah, yeah, she's been incredible. What a performance! Um, one of the games today was unbelievable. I mean, she sacrificed with D five and then sacrificed the rook and, and ended up with one of these uh, opera morphy mates. Yeah, unbelievable. Very, very nice. Very well. Yeah. Played. Uh, uh, just incredible per, uh, mm. performance. And uh, speaking of Caruana, I know you interviewed him, and as you yeah. as you alluded to, they do get tired. For Fabiano said, "I guess I'm playing well, but I do feel quite tired. It's a pretty energy energy draining tournament uh, between the yeah. final four tournaments. It will probably come down, or f- final four players, mm-hmm. it will probably come down to nerves and tiredness." Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 pretty much says it all, and that certainly came through in the uh, the Prague and Uragasi mm-hmm. uh, well. match. Prague is actually very lucky to have a free day tomorrow because if there wasn't a free day, he'd have to face Caruana, who today has been resting. And these tie breaks, I actually think that they are... So, for example, let me give you an example. Um, you notice that Vidit eliminated Nepo Niachi, Nipomnichi in one of the tie breaks. It was a grueling tie break, super long, super tough, many games. The next day, he had to face Abasov in two games. And the first one was a draw, a very long game. And the second game, Abasov just crushed him. Yeah. I, I have to think that the, um, the tough tie break for Vidit and no free days, that had to pay, uh, pay a toll, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Because he, was, he looked drained. He looked really without any any energy. Yeah. So it is long and they have to recover. Yep. Yeah. And Abasov played a nice attacking game, but it also yep. seemed like Vidit wasn't at his best. Uh... He wasn't at his best. He was taking time to think. He was... Yeah. Even his face was like, uh, of course, he's a elite, world-class player, but he's been playing for seven or eight days in a row, and he just defeated Nipomnichi with all the extra excitement that that brings the player. Everyone's telling you, I mean, yeah, great, you know, you, you're on the track, I mean, and then you have to play another player, you haven't rested, and this, um, this affects you, I'm, I'm sure it affects you. Yeah, and, and obviously it's tough, a, a career-defining moment. He and Abbasov are both 28, you know, yeah. For either one of them to presumably have a chance to to punch their ticket to the candidates is potentially mm-hmm. a once in a lifetime opportunity, which I get no joy in saying because I'm a big Vedit fan. I you know I would have loved to I would love to see him make it at some point. So um, they're very all the Indian players are super nice. Yeah, all the players are nice in general, but the Indian players have some something extra special going for them. They're humble. They're they're communicative. They 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 talk to you. They're um, they're very nice. They have their feet on the on, on the ground. Vidit is especially nice. Yeah, and Prague as well, of course. All of them. Maybe Kukesh is just a bit more calm, a bit more you know stands back a bit. No, but he's younger as well. So right, so Vidit is very very nice. They're role models for me. Yeah, for sure. Well, Michael, I know you've got to get to dinner. I really appreciate you making time to do this. Uh, any closing thoughts before uh, you finally go get some food after this very long day? Yeah. Well, to, as I said, tomorrow's a rest day, and I would really um, encourage everyone to to follow the, the official broadcast here with uh, Eden Krash and Eden Sukander. 
Also, the chess.com uh, broadcast is fantastic with Howell and, um, and Peter Leko. It's very good as well. For those who speak Latin languages, we have uh, also uh, chess.com is doing Spanish with um, Ernesto Fernandez and uh, another grandmaster, Miguel Santos. So it's it's really easy to follow the coverage. And we're getting some really interesting matchups. Carlsen against Abasov will be really good, two-game match. And Caruana against uh, Praganda. What do you think, Ben? Who do you think will go to the to the final? I can't really say. I have my yeah, favorites. I mean, but you can say. What's what's your bet there? I, I'm not gonna uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna win any points for originality here, but I think we're I think we're on track for a Carlson Caruana yeah, showdown, which yeah. would be yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. Especially again, Pragananda is obviously very dangerous, but what you alluded to with the fatigue um, for him, you know, he's got less time to bounce back, and uh, you know, hasn't been on this stage mm-hmm. as much, and also like. Caruana had many roads into the candidates. Um, so mm-hmm. obviously it's a relief for him to presumably have that ticket punched. But, you know, he had the rating spot potentially. He had the circuit spot potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Prague, like, it's like he's already won the tournament in a sense, you know, at least that's how yeah. I might feel if I were him. Um, mm-hmm. So I just feel like psychologically Caruana might have an edge as well. And then Caruana Carlson, all bets are off. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they, those guys have played each other so many times that, I mean, I do feel like, of course, you have to make Magnus a small favorite, but the, only a small favorite. I mean, yeah. and that one play. could easily go to tiebreak. Yeah, Very exactly. Easily that could go to tiebreak. Something, I have a sort of sensation that Magnus um, wants to win. The yeah, well, I think especially... And, and that, and, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. Two years ago, he lost it in semifinals. I actually asked him the question in the interview, and he reminded me that because I was there, I interviewed him when he when he lost the game with with Duda. He overpressed in one of the games, and uh, in a two game match, you can't do that. You can't overpress. You have to yeah. know when to stop and let let it go, and we'll do a draw, and then tomorrow we have a second game. If you overpress with White and you lose. It's super difficult to come back in a classical game and to win. Uh, sometimes it happens, but it's very difficult. And I think that he's really focused. His play was a bit dodgy at the beginning of the tournament. He was even virtually eliminated by by Cayman uh, in one of the games. But he's then he two zero against Ivanchuk, an e- relatively easy win uh, against Gukesh, relatively easy. Um, it seems to me that he's going he's going in crescendo. Yeah. And now Abasov, although Abasov is playing fantastically. I really think that he's a huge underdog against Carlsen at this stage. And then it's just one game left. It's the final. Yeah. So I, I think um, Carlsen take it down this year. That's my, my, my feeling, but we'll see. It'll be fun. All right. Well, Michael, enjoy, sure. enjoy your meal. And thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's been a lot of fun. Pleasure. And uh, as I said the last time, you're doing a great job. And I enjoy uh, listening to your interviews every week. So keep it up. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.